G'day, welcome to Partaker's Podcast. Come and listen. Paul writing in Ephesians chapter 2 and verses 19 to 21. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him the whole building is joined together, and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. As the church we are to be one, and unified through and in Jesus Christ. The universal church is one around Jesus Christ, but churches on a local level frequently engage with acts of disunity rather than unity. Churches and church denominations fight over minor details. So how can we as Christian disciples show unity? to a world that sees the church fragmented. Paul, when writing to the Ephesians, challenged the two groups of believers, the Jews and the Gentiles, in order to be unified so that the church could grow, and more importantly, that Jesus Christ was glorified. And there was alienation. Firstly, there was alienation with the Jews and Gentiles, and that is evident in the church. Most of the converts in the church of Ephesus were Gentiles. And for centuries the Jews had looked down upon the Gentiles as an inferior people. And Israel, in Genesis chapter 12, were to be the light of God to the whole world. However, as Paul explains in Romans 2.25-29, to in Galatians 5.6 and Galatians 6 verse 15, the physical mark of being a Jew was no proof of that man being a man of faith. And as for the Gentiles, the best word to describe them was without. They were without Christ, they were without citizenship, they were without covenants, they were without hope, and they were without God. And then comes Jesus Christ, and he brings reconciliation, not alienation. But now of Ephesians 2.13 is linked with but God of Ephesians 2.4. This is God's grace and reconciliation in in action. Enmity is a feeling of war and hostility, and there is no longer any enmity. Reconciliation means to make peace between enemies and to bring together again. And sin is always a separator. Take, for instance, Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, the flood, the Tower of Babel, leading to Abraham and Israel in Genesis chapter 12. And there was enmity between Jew and Gentile. Jews were different from Gentiles in religion, dress, diet and laws. Until Peter was sent to the Gentiles in Acts chapter 10, the church had no problems that we know about. But placing the salvation of the Gentiles on the same level as the Jews caused horrendous problems. Acts chapter 11, Peter was told off for going to the Gentiles and actually eating with them. And then in Acts chapter 15, at the meeting of the Apostles, it was decided that both Jews and Gentiles are saved in the same way. And the reason for this is that the barrier or war between the Jew and Gentile was the law. Leviticus 11, 44-47 and Ezekiel 44, verse 23. And that barrier or wall is no longer there, because Jesus broke it at his death. Galatians 3, verse 10-13. And whoever calls upon the name of the Lord, whether Jew or Gentile, will be saved. Romans 10 verse 12 to 13.
and the Lord Jesus Christ himself is our peace. Ephesians 2.14 And he made our peace with God. Ephesians 2.15 If we decide to take him up on the offer. As for the Gentiles, their old position was Christless. Now they are in Christ. Ephesians 2.13 Once they were aliens, but now they are a holy nation. 1 Peter 2 verse 9 They were strangers. But they are no more strangers but family, Ephesians 2.19. They were hopeless, but now they are called in one hope, Ephesians 4 verse 4. And they were godless, but now they have the same God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, Ephesians 1 verse 3. And then there was enmity between God and man. God had put a difference between Jew and Gentile, so that his purpose would be done. These differences were erased through the reconciliation of Jesus' work. Acts chapter 15. All people, both Jew and Gentile, need Jesus' reconciliation. And what of Jesus' work? Firstly, Jesus' work has made both Jew and Gentile one. Ephesians 2.14 Made one new man. Ephesians 2.15 One body. Ephesians 2.16 With one spirit. Ephesians 2.18 And Jesus has made one nation. Two, Ephesians 2 verse 19 And one family. Ephesians 2 verse 19 And one temple. Ephesians 2 verse 20 to 22 In the Old Testament, God lived with his people. Exodus 25 verse 8 And lived in his tabernacle. God lived in his temple. 1 Kings 8 verse 1 to 11 and God lived in Jesus Christ, John 1.14. And now God lives in his people through the Holy Spirit that indwells. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 19-20. And God also lives in the church, his body. Ephesians 2 verse 20-22. to And Jesus overall is the chief cornerstone of this building. Psalm 118 verse 22, Isaiah 8.14. Ephesians 2 verse 21 and Ephesians 4 verse 16. And a cornerstone is the main part of a building and it holds the whole structure together. Jesus said in Matthew 16 verse 18, I will build my church. Jesus Christ has united the Jews and the Gentiles. Just as even though the universal church has many different denominations, Jesus Christ holds them all together in unity. But how can we as Christian disciples show unity when we have so many diverse parts to the church? And ultimately, where does the source of authority for our unity lie? And by authority, I do not mean authoritarian, but rather total obedience to a power or force. However, the world today balks at both. People constantly rebel against the authority of the police and the government. Today, particularly in the Western world, the only authority a lot of people accept and recognise, particularly in regards to morality and how to live, is their own self-deduced authority. As Christian disciples, our supreme authority is to be God himself. We are, of course, free to disobey his authority, but in doing so, ignore his better wisdom. When this occurs, our conscience testifies that God's authority regarding his wisdom, and we repent 
of our disobedience? And what is the source of our authority? So, seeing as God is our authority, where can this authority be found? Historically, the Church has had several sources of authority. There are the historical creeds and confessions, such as the Apostles' Creed and the Westminster Confession. Creeds are valuable in order to gain insight on Christian doctrine, but there are two main problems concerning ultimate authority. Firstly, they are too general, and in no way be used to fully explain church doctrines and beliefs. Secondly, the creeds and confessions are themselves under authority, as they are based on the teachings of Jesus and the Apostles. Then there is the mind of the church. This dictates that God's mind and will can be discovered through opinion and consultation. This is, of course, partially true. However, it is not our ultimate authority, due to individual belief concerning such things as a sacrament, spirit, baptism, and other doctrines. If there isn't unity of mind on these things, then how can the church progress past the impasse? Then, of course, there is experience in the life of the Christian disciple. Whilst experiencing God is vital, how can we know our experiences are, tru are truly under his authority and not just our old sinful nature raising its head? Again, it itself is not the ultimate authority, because many great Christian truths fall outside of personal experience. While the creeds, confessions, and church mind and Christian experience are indicative of the historical church, they are not of themselves to be our ultimate authority. God as Father, Son and Spirit are to be the ultimate authority for the Christian disciple. This triune God is known throughout the Bible, and the Bible is our authority. It is God-breathed and is to be revered and obeyed by submitting to the authority of Scripture. We bow the knee to the God who is alive in us through the indwelling Spirit. In doing so, we give authority to Jesus Christ, who has his supremacy over all things. Colossians 1 verse 18 Before he, his ascension, he said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Matthew 28 verse 18 As his Christian disciples, Jesus Christ is to be our ultimate authority, and the Bible reveals him supremely to us. For more to think about, please do read John chapter 17, verse 6 to 25. Ask yourself the following questions, writing them down if you can, and see how you respond or react to them. Then why not share your answers with your spouse or a close friend, so that you can pray over any issues together. Question 1. How can I exhibit unity with those I disagree with regarding points of Bible teaching? Question 2. Are there those in my local church with whom I need to reconcile with? Question 3. What and who is the source of my authority as a Christian disciple? That's it for today. Come back every day to www.partakers.co.uk where there is something uploaded to help you as a Christian disciple, wherever you are in this world, to live for Jesus Christ. Our books are also available on our Amazon site at www.pulptheology.com. See you later.